This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chefs. All right, welcome back, guys. This is Rahul. Uh, my two co-hosts, Jackie and Alex, have are still occupied with some uh, family and school commitments, so I've called in a super sub. Uh, you may have heard of him. You definitely have heard of him. Uh, Kamal, also known as Lumps of CFC, uh, very famous on Twitter, and it's great to have you on, my friend. I know we've been talking, and it is a long time coming, but we finally could make it happen today. I appreciate it. I'm not. I'm not famous at all. Let's not. <laughs> let's not start that. No, no. But I appreciate the kind words. Um, yeah, we've been speaking for a long time, so it's it's, it's a pleasure to finally. Uh, it's an honor to honestly be on and be part of your your content that you create. I'm a big fan. I'm not just saying it to say it. I do listen. I do listen. I do tune in. I'm a big fan of the stuff you do with with your other co-hosts as well as the more recent stuff. But yeah, so it's, there's nothing more fun than talking shows. I, I appreciate your kind words, and uh, I look forward to the time that we'll spend here talking about our our favorite club, the thing, the club that we love the most in this world. Um, so come on, let's get started. I know you've been a fan for a very long time. You've seen a lot of changes from owners to managers to players, uh, but one that very recent is the change that has happened that was a little unexpected uh, was Tuchel. Your thoughts on that and obviously what he achieved for the club and what he could have achieved, but obviously that didn't work out uh, before we'll talk about Boley and, and some of the comments that were made earlier this week. Yeah, sure. So to start off with, it was definitely surprising. Um, you know, you being based in the US as well, Eastern time, I'm not sure if you woke up to the news like I did. I did, yeah. So yeah, just waking up to my phone with an extreme amount of notifications right. from friends back home, like, wake up, wake up, this is what's happened. And like, nah, you're joking. And you see the statement come out and you're just like, wow. But at the same time, I was kind of like, uh, here we go again. Because I'm not, I'm so used to it now. It's just like, it's I'm, not that I'm not emotionally attached, of course I am, but it's just, I'm so used to this constantly happening. Um, it's just like, at what point do we just give someone a go and just let them be and just give them five, six years, like we Time, all want. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And we all thought that Tuchel, well, at least in my opinion, I thought that Tuchel was that guy. Um, specifically just based on everything he had done for the club in terms of being an ambassador for us during the hardest times we've ever been through. And kind of, you give him the opportunity to spend all this money and all that kind of stuff. And kind of, maybe he wasn't as involved as he wants to in terms of targets, or maybe he was upset. I'm sure we'll get into that, but it's it seems very perplexing as to why now, as opposed to not in preseason. After like we spoke offline, like after the Orlando game, like why not just then when you right. clearly seemed the breakdown of communication? That's when like a focal point of when it kind of broke down. So why wait all this time? I'm not sure. It seems like something went on in the background clearly, but devastating because I felt like he could have built something. He's you know I feel like in terms of hierarchy of the Managers, he's probably top four, top five on the planet. So there's no one else really out there that's available. Yeah. And you've seen what he's accomplished. You know, he's been to all the domestic cup finals. Right. He's been to every cup final. He's struggled in the league. But besides that, you know, he's, he's a successful coach. And he's forever immortalized in our history. But yeah, so I felt like we should have given him a bit more backing in the sense of let him get the players out that he clearly wanted to get out. There's the extra stuff. I'm sure we'll get into it, but yeah, it's, it's, it's strange. It's very strange. Yeah, no, I, I, I 
share the same sentiments as you and uh, kind of, you know, you just get numb to it at some point about all these changes. Yeah. Uh, I think the one that hit me the hardest, and I'm sure you feel the same way, was the Lampard one. Uh, oh, and as much as we love Tuchel, when I read it, was I surprised? Yes. But was I surprised? Not really, because exactly. that's just what we do. That's just what Chelsea does, even if it's Bowley or, or a different ownership group. Um, and you're right. I think it just felt like he was going to be the one that was going to bring a premiership back to the club after 2017. Um, so it just didn't, it, the the timing, like you said, just didn't feel right. But again, from everything we've we read and heard and seen, um, it seemed like there was a breakdown way earlier and, and they just kind of held on and felt like after the Salzburg, uh, not Salzburg, the Zagreb, Zagreb game, they decided to make the move. Um, ultimately, we thank Tuchel. That's all we can do as fans and, and hold him close to our hearts, uh, like we have done with tons of managers. Um, and I'm sure he'll be back. I've said it in previous episodes. I'm sure he'll be back in the Premier League to haunt us like other managers have. Oh, probably, yeah. Um, but let's talk about uh, Todd Bowley for a second. So, I, you know, he came in at the end of May, early part of June, and everything pointed towards Tuchel's going to stay. We're going to back him. Mm-hmm. We're going to give him the resources. Uh, up until the Tuchel firing, you were pretty impressed with what everything he and his group 100%. had done, right? Yeah, 100%. And he was my leading candidate from the get-go, just based on simple research from seeing how he handles the American teams, like the Dodgers and the Lakers right. and stuff like that. Incredibly successful teams. And, you know, he he said it prior to, um, like, someone found, like, an interview from years ago where it was like, well, how do you make your team more valuable? And he said the only way is doing that by winning. Right. And it's just like, yeah. So he understands winning is the main thing. Um but as well as that, giving a culture, building a culture, building a structure. And excuse me, it seems that there's clearly like a focus of youth integration. In my opinion, it's definitely felt like that was kind of the key thing. Because um, just based on everything that he had done, it just made, in my opinion at the time, no sense as to why you spend the 20 million on 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 Chukomeka yeah. and 50 million on Cassidy, where it's clear that they're approaching this from a completely different standpoint as to get the best youth talents in Europe and in England and give them a pathway. And so everything that had happened prior to the sacking, I was like, yeah, this makes complete sense. I'm fully on board. You know, everyone on Twitter was making those, like the compilations and the, the good food memes and all this kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And everyone was backing it. And then all of a sudden, you can't just flip a switch and be like, oh, we hate him now just because of one decision. You kind of have to see how it plays out. Right. So I don't feel Tuchel was completely blameless. Of course he isn't. Um, there were some, you know, just the way we were playing football, the way everything was coming down. It was, it seemed kind of like, I, I kind of sensed it coming like, oh, here we go again. Like this is, yeah. it seems like the player power starts happening again. Everyone's unhappy. The football's not good. So yeah, I mean, like to answer your question in a long-winded way, I was definitely fully on board with whatever Todd wanted to do because he kind of cleared out everything and I was happy with that. Cleared out Marina, Bruce Buck, um, Scott McLaughlin. I forget the the other CEO. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is a Guy Lawrence or that's prior. Um, I forget his name, but, you know, just someone who wasn't really... Part of, yeah. The fan, yeah, the yeah. fan base didn't really like. So yeah. it, it was, seemed like a clean slate and... I'm not sure. I'm, I'm assuming you follow American sports pretty well. It's like when a GM comes in, he gets his guy with him. Right. 
And it seems that's exactly what's going on here. Like new new guys come in, they clear out everything, and they come in tandem with their guy. Yeah. And seeing Potter was the one, so we just have to we just have to just deal with it now and just yeah. see how it goes. I mean, and and that's what we've done right for the last twenty plus years as fans is we've just dealt with it, uh, and of course that's come with success, which has made the decisions feel right, made them feel like okay, we're heading in the right direction, and then we kind of hit hit us hit the brakes and we start all over again right. but you're right i think up until the point where they the decision was made about tuchel a week and a half or so ago at this point it felt like the club and todd Bowley and clear lake were making decisions uh you know in in conjunction with tuchel and it was like okay we're headed in a direction we'll bring you Aubameyang, we'll bring you kulabali but we'll also bring you fofana who's 21 22 so we're building towards the future but you're right. Not just you know, and not just in American sports. I think in business in general, which is where mm-hmm. sport and this sport in general has, is headed. When a new ownership comes in, when a new guy comes in, CEO, whoever, board, they bring their own people in, and that's exactly what's happened. So, you touch on it, Graham Potter. He comes in. Uh, he's had a pretty successful career in terms of how he's headed up the ranks and ended up at Brighton. And and let's be honest, Brighton sitting, I believe, fourth or fifth at this point. Yeah, is is very much down to what he's done along with his staff and and Brighton backing him. So it seems like the right decision in terms of okay, we're going to go back a young manager, a British manager, uh, which is good to see at a top six club. But also when I look at it and I think back to our history, and I'm sure you're very much aware of it, I look at AVB, and yes, mm-hmm. he didn't have the the experience of the Premier League, but he came in as a young guy and had all these new methods and way of doing things. Right. And we know how that ended. Yes, it ended in the Champions League. And, and I'm sure you and I will be celebrating if that's how this ends. Uh, but your thoughts on Graham Potter? And, and do you think there's anyone else out there in terms of the, the pedigree, the name that maybe could have swung Bowley's head and said, let's go get maybe a Zidane and, and make the fan base happier? Sure. Um, so to start with Graham, I definitely feel like if you had asked the fan base two weeks ago, hypothetical top three coaches, who do you want? And you give Zidane, Potter, and an unknown random name, and you put a poll, I'm, I'm almost guaranteeing that Potter would have won like 50% of the vote because everyone was kind of saying, oh, the way he plays football, his style of football, his structure, his development of players, everyone was kind of on board with that. And even on the British media, they were all saying, you know, Potter deserves a top six team. The second we hire him, it's like, oh, no, not that one. <laughs> it's it's the, the hypocritical nature of the agenda against Chelsea, but... Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I was fully on board with the Potter signing. I'm, I'm fully on board with it. I definitely like the way he plays football. Um, he deserves a chance, clearly. The fact that he turned down Tottenham last year is a big plus for me. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, just everything he does in terms of methodology and seems like this, I don't want to say new age, but you see the way he plays football against the big teams. You saw how he played against Man City and Liverpool and even ourselves. Right. He dominated us. So it's it's clearly a great tactician. Just requires time. This is a completely different scale for him. So I am a bit nervous, you know, just on how he's going to cope with these egos, this completely different infrastructure. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. But from a from a from him standing alone, it's I definitely feel he he needs the time though. That's that's the main thing, right? It's how this plays out. Five year deal. Is he going to last the five years? Who knows? Bowley clearly seemed, based on reports, that it was his guy all along with the, the Cucurella conversations and all that right. kind of stuff that's come out. 
So he's clearly impressed. And based on Bowley's experience, he gives people a lot of time. Like his Dodgers coach, I don't follow baseball, but I've read that he's been there almost 10 years now. Yeah, so, and I was actually going to mention that. I think his name is Dave Roberts. Um, sure. He came in as a younger guy, uh, and and he's been there, like you said, almost close to 10 years. So that points towards, you know, if the right man comes in and works with them and gets them results, because I think Dodgers, I, I don't follow them that closely, uh, okay. but I think the Dodgers have been pretty successful on, on the field uh, or on the, on the pitch, whatever you want to call it. So ultimately, I think what you're saying is time is needed, but got to deliver on the pitch with with the guys that you have right now absolutely and i do think the overall squad is capable right of finishing in the top four position that's just it's going to be tough because manchester united look a lot better arsenal look a lot better as much as it hurts to say those things <laughs> but it's it's got to be done it's, it's just it's an it's, it's it's a minimum i know the reports are saying that oh if he doesn't it's okay but realistically, it's we we all know it's really not. It's it's a must. It's a must do. Um, but I'm confident. But I like the overall structure of the way it's heading. With you know him being involved in a sporting director hire, and seeming like you know the 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 Salzburg guy is going to be the one who knows if that's true. But it seems like he's the leading candidate, and another young guy with data and going in the analytical format of modern football. It's it seems like a match made in hell. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I agree with you too, right? Like, we do need to evolve. We do need to keep up with the times. And um, I know Liverpool are following the data model that you just mentioned. I'm sure Man City are and all the top clubs are because that's what is driving not just sport, but the world. Everyone's driven by the data. Everyone's driven by what the data is telling you. Um, and I think from what we've heard, again, Boley mentioned it in his um, conference that he was in, was there's not been much data shared between the first mm-hmm. team and the academy. So clearly they've identified that there's areas that could be improved upon and they've seen Graham Potter and his team as as the people that can do that. Um, so, you know, like you said, we, we've got to give him time. We can't jump to conclusions after one game, which was basically uh, a game that has been interrupted by everything that's going on in, in England. and. And rightly so, you know, you can't you can't expect sport to continue when other things are are more important, especially with uh, cops and pro- uh, protection, and all of that. Uh, but that also makes me a little bit nervous because now you have all this extra time to work mm-hmm. and think about what could we have done different in the Salzburg game and what would we do different when the players come back from international duty. And that's where I'm like, if the games were on, you just kind of forced into making decisions, playing the guys, getting a, getting something together for the weekend or for the midweek. Um, let's jump into the game, uh, Kamal, which was against Salzburg. It was a must win, you could say, because we'd lost the first game. And uh, the next two games after this were against AC Milan, which are the, the better side in this group. Um, so I'll run through the starting 11, and I'd like to get your feedback on on the first 11 that Potter picked. So it was Kepa in goal, Mendy was injured. Uh, so it was a natural choice. Aspilicueta, Thiago Silva, Cucurella, what I'm reading here is a 3-5-2. When it first came out, I think everyone was like, oh, we've gone back to a back four. Um, so I'll just continue with the 3-5-2, but you can tell me what you how you saw it. So Reese James, Mason Mount, Jorginho, Kovacic, and Sterling at left wing back, uh, and Aubameyang and Kai Havertz as the front two. So similar to Tuchel, I think he went with his experienced guys. He went with guys that he knew or he knows he needs to get on side. Uh, but was this a 3 5 
two for you, or was this a, a hybrid between a three five two of back four, a three 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 one? I've heard two. Yeah, it was it was definitely when the lineup came up, I was definitely confused. But in I the original fear I had was two things. One was Aspilicueta starting, and in my opinion, is just I love the guy so much. He's he's accomplished everything that is at this club, captain. But my fear has always been, have you seen by my tweets? I'm sure it's, I, I was always fearful of him turning into like another Branislav Ivanovic where yeah. he stays on for too long and he hampers his, his, his legacy and everyone's just like, feel sorry for him because he's not there anymore. And it, we're seeing it and we're actively seeing that with Aspie now. He's just not to the level he once was. Reaction times are slow. He doesn't have the pace anymore. But to answer your full question, it might, yeah, it definitely, as the game progressed, it was definitely a 3-5-2 type thing. Um, Sterling was more of a left mid than a left wing back. Um, and he came out and said he enjoyed it because he likes playing on the left side, playing on the right. extremely wide. And he was probably our best player on the pitch. So in in terms of everything else, the structure was kind of strange in the sense that Azpi and Kukurela pushed up so much. It was kind of like a back one at times. <laughs> like Thiago was left on an island a lot. And it shows with the goal we conceded that... He was literally left to do everything kind of by himself. And as he was too late reacting, Jorginho wasn't fast enough to recover. And, you know, just just go on from there. It's the game itself, how it played out. It's just more of the same old, same old, in my opinion. Okay, it was a bit more expansive, a bit more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A bit more expressive. Exciting. Definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exciting, probably not, not the right <laughs> word. Um, but it was clearly an emphasis to go forward. Right. And kind of have the players express themselves and kind of push forward and run with the ball. And there wasn't as much sideways, backwards passing as it has been in the past, whereas Tuchel's structure is very, as my, from what I understood or what I watched, was very, like, protection. It was very pragmatic. It was very, right. we're not going to concede anything. We're not going to, we're going to protect the ball at all costs. We're not going to push forward if we don't have to. Whereas here, it seemed like, okay, we're willing to take that risk. Maybe it was down to opponent, but I definitely felt there was more emphasis on, pushing forward. Um, so that was exciting to see. But at the same time, the lack of killer instinct comes once again. We go 1-0 up and we just stop playing completely, just stop emphasis on attack, just kind of just let the foot off the gas, as they say, and just let the other team come and, and push up. And I do think Potter's subs were a little bit naive because um, I was saying this on another podcast yesterday as well as my friends. I felt like in my estimation, if you're 1-0 up against a team and you know they're going to start pushing forward pushing, now, yeah. why wouldn't you automatically put a defensive mid on or something to reassure the defense? Move just right. one sub. Because he took off Havertz and Kovacic and put on Broyer and Ruben Loftus-Cheek. And Zachariah is there on the bench. Okay, I understand he's not fully implemented, but he's the only one defensive guy you've got besides Koulibaly and Fofana. I felt like there should have been a defensive-minded sub at least, because you can make five subs, so just yeah. one of them at least. So I felt that was kind of naive from him, but in terms of how the overall game played out, I felt like we tried. I'm sure we'll get into the performances of certain players, but um, it was it was exciting to see, but it's definitely, you know, his first game, he's only been there, what, like three days? So not even, it's been there longer, actually, but still, it's going to be a preseason for him to kind of find out who's good enough yeah. and who's not. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with you, and I'm I'm going to read some stats that support what you're sharing. So shots, Chelsea had 17, Salzburg had four. 
shots on target, Chelsea had four, Salisbury had three. So that that just points towards what you were saying is, yes, we did have more of the ball. We did, like you said, have a little more emphasis on um, attacking and making something happen, but we clearly didn't work that goalie enough or, or you know, take advantage of these shots that we were uh, we were taking we had 73 percent possession again if you're okay. if you're in that much of a, an advantage with the ball you've got to make something happen and, and you have the likes of Obama Yang and Havertz and Mount and Sterling and Reese James who tends to do be to, to do everything good for this team um I want to come to a point where you mentioned uh you know Grand Potter was a little bit naive do you think this was maybe too big an occasion to make your debut along with, you know, being Chelsea manager, stepping up from Brighton, uh, you now step up in a competition that you, in his words, never actually watched in, as a fan or, you know, had been at in a stadium. Do you think he was maybe just caught up in the occasion? Perhaps. I definitely felt like he was a bit kind of too cautious in the sense of his lineup in general. Because he came out and said, if I'm not mistaken, don't, not, it's not word for word, but he said we went with experience and Champions League know-how. Yeah. So with that being said, you look at the bench and it's like, okay, there's no one that's really had experience in this level with Ruben Loftus-Cheek, although he's been here for so long, hasn't really played a lot of Champions League games. Besides Pulisic and Ziyech, there was, you know, Broha's never done it, you know, Gallagher has never done it, Gallagher, et cetera, et cetera. So I understood his reasoning, but at the same time, to go back to the Azpilicueta thing, I felt like he played Azpi purely because he's the captain and he's clearly probably been the most communicative with Potter throughout and been a lot of help. But at the same time, Koulibaly's right there and he hasn't, he's played a ton of Champions League games yeah. as well. So I felt like, why not play him? You've, we've signed him for big money. And for Fana too, it's just like, okay, he hasn't really played at this level, but he's still an elite player for his age. Yeah. So it was kind of, that's, that's, that was the one, and I still to this moment, still questioning why you played Aspilicueta. Um, and I get it in retrospect, captain, all that kind of stuff. But and I, perhaps, I don't think he was too caught up in the occasion. It just felt like, if you remember when Tuchel's first game too, he went straight with experience. He was like, yeah. these guys know this system. So he played Alonso and so on and so forth. He went with straight experience. And he was like, this is an unfair lineup. If, you know, that's what he said. But he dropped Mount as well. So yeah. I remember he went straight with experience. So similar thing. I'm, I'm sure as Tuchel, uh, sorry, as Potter gets to know these players better, knows their strengths and weaknesses, and get to know them on a human element too. He'll the, the lineup will adjust, hopefully. Yeah, let's let's hope. Uh, and that's where the man management comes in, right? You look at Fofana, you look at Kulabali, they don't play in the game. Uh wonder what was said to them behind the scenes. Um, yeah, I'm sure he said, I'm gonna pick, you know, the guys that have experience in the Champions League, but like you said, Kulabali is gonna be like I'm 31. I've played in tons of Champions League games. Right. I've played, I've played in tons of big games in Serie A. So um, that, and that's where I think we were talking about is that step up comes is it's not like managing every week, going from weekend to weekend with the Brighton squad. And I don't mean as a disrespect, right? But now you're looking no, at true, players. Though. You're looking at players that have achieved quite a bit in their career, and they look at a manager that comes in is trying to find his feet. They, you've got to keep all these guys on side. And I get that you play. Espelicueta for for those reasons as captain, but now that they don't have a game for another two weeks, mm. you kind of almost expect Kulabali and Fofana to be in the next lineup. I think so. Maybe I'm going to be wrong, but uh, we'll have to see how uh, he goes for Crystal Palace. So um, you wanted to talk about player performances. Who stood out for you? Let's start with some positives. 
Sterling, for sure, has been our best player this entire season, in my opinion. Um, uh, I know the fan base was kind of torn as when we signed him. Yeah. Was, uh, he does miss a lot of chances. Let's not get that mistaken. He does. But he's still, his record speaks for himself. You know, over 150 goals scored. He's been playing at the elite level since he was 17. So in his prime age, per se, as I say, 27. So yeah. he's he's the leader on this team. He's, he's clearly our best attacker in terms of everything he brings. And he's shown it. He's our leading goal scorer. He creates the most... Um, so yeah, he in my opinion, he was he was fantastic. Reese James was again always solid. Always. Um, always is. He's just he's just immense. He, he has to start for England ahead of Trent. He just has to. From a from a from a selfish standpoint. I like how you plugged that in there. <laughs> for sure, for sure. England, you know, World Cup coming up. Um, I want to talk to you about that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. We will. Um, and to be fair, there wasn't too much else. Thiago Silva was immense besides that one little error he made at the end. Yeah. And that's just the luck of the draw, right? He, he was immense the entire game. Um, can't really think of anyone else that was was good. I mean, Mason Mount had moments of energy as always. He's always industrious. I'm gonna give Jorginho some prep. Like he was, he was solid in terms of passing forward. And I know, yeah, I see you laughing, but he, he was definitely more progressive this time, and he wasn't terrible. Besides the usual when he gets caught out and. That's just expected of him now. I expected yeah. to do that at least once or twice a game when it happened. <laughs> but <laughs> that happened. But in terms of negatives, Hakim Ziyech, man, I don't know what happened yeah. to this guy. I was an advocate for the signing. I was so excited when we signed him. I thought 27-year-old guy, cocky in his prime, arrogant. I like that kind of nature. And he's had moments, but I think he's just so – he just wants out so bad, and it clearly shows. Yeah, I'm not going to question the guy's effort because obviously that's – you can't justify that, but from the outside, it just looks like he's just had enough. And he tried to leave, didn't get it, and you know, I'm sure he's going to try when he's on the pitch. But my God, his performances just don't justify him being anywhere ahead of the pitch before Pulisic. And I know I've got my agenda against that. But <laughs> that's more against that's more on the U.S. men's national team fan base as opposed to Pulisic himself. Um, but you know, you've got other guys there, like just. Give them an opportunity ahead of Ziyech at this point. It's just, I know we went for experience, but yeah, those just, I don't know what's up with him. He's, it, you know, there's, there's two two chances towards the end of the game I felt like he should have done better with. And and yeah, and Kai Havertz as well. He's another one who's just been missing this entire season. And I'm sure if I ask you the same question, where is his best position? You're kind of going to be like, oh, I'm here, there. I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah. Because he doesn't really create much link up play. He okay, but he's not key pass, not really assist, doesn't really score that much. So it's like, what do you do with this guy? Yeah. So it's very it's confusing. Yeah, he's he's still cashing in his his checks from the Champions League final. Oh, uh which wrong. which the credit's gonna run out soon because there's only that much you can do with uh, you know, with that major moment. Now again, he he got he did it he scored in that moment and we're all always going to remember it but you're right mm-hmm. uh, he came in as as they'd like to throw around a lot as a generational talent and we haven't seen that generational talent come through mm-hmm. on a regular basis uh hopefully i'm hoping that playing with obama yang or playing with someone that's a little bit ahead as a number nine of him allows him the freedom and the ability to to do things that he was doing for leverkusen but we've got to see it soon because I think that's where, and we'll get into it, but Pulisic comes in is if Kai Havertz isn't performing, if the likes of Mason Mount have dropped their levels over the last 
uh, compared to the last few seasons. Why isn't the likes of Pulisic getting a chance? That's and that's a question more okay. from uh, you know just as a Chelsea fan, not as a as a U.S. men's national no, team no, fan. No, it's true though. Even sure. though I support them, um, but let's talk about Ziyech because I want to go back and then we'll come to Pulisic. You, I've had this theory about Ziyech, and and you may agree with it, you may disagree with it. In Ajax, he was kind of like the main guy, right? His main attacker, left right winger, whatever you want to call it. He comes to Chelsea. He's now competing. It's it's almost like that step up, right? And he started off well. I I want to say his last good game for us was that game against Tottenham earlier this year, where he scored that that banger uh, mm. in January. And then I think since then he just he doesn't kick on. It, it you, you expect him to be like, okay, I'm gonna make this position mine. I'm gonna kick on from here. And he doesn't do it. And then I think he feels like he just deserves to be playing every game. And you, oh. can't, you can't get that at Chelsea. You just don't. Uh, and like you said, his body language, his mindset just doesn't seem like he wants to be here. And I really wish we had let him go, even if it was just on loan, just get him out of here. Because he's yeah. not really helping the team. He's hurting the team at this point. Right. And I would rather have seen a Hudson-Odoi stay because at least when Hudson-Odoi played, he gave us something more yep. than just trying to cut in and take a shot on his left foot or right foot, whatever, whatever Ziyech does. But that's, that's my theory on it. He's not the main guy. He doesn't get the love that he wants from the manager. And then he just throws his, his toys out of the pram and, and just complains on the pitch with his body, not, not in the, in the media. Sure, and I can see that because, you know, when I said, mentioned earlier about his arrogance, but there was a certain arrogance and aura he had. I yeah. was like, this guy has got, he's got it. You know, when like he scored, when he scored and he did yeah, that celebration. Yeah, he did that yeah. celebration. I was just like, I need that guy. And he does the opposite here. It's like the arrogant <laughs> in a different way. He's like, I am good. Like, just play. I hate to say this. Like, the performance against Zagreb was comparable to me as one of the worst performances I've seen in the Chelsea shot. It was up there with Bakayoko against Watford. It was comparable. <laughs> it was that bad because everything he did was wrong. You know, from the two free kicks where he was just like, I've got this straight into the wall. And the thing that got me the most is when he caught the ball when it wasn't even out <laughs> for throwing. I was just like, what is this? It was just the, the comprehension I just couldn't get. And he was like laughing it off like, oh, it's nothing. I was like, no, we're losing right now. We can't. Yeah. It's not the time to be joking around. And I don't know. It's just, like you said, it seems that he definitely, I'm sure we haven't helped him in some ways too. It's not fully on him because his natural position has always been right wing. Yeah. And since Lampard left, we don't really have, or ever have played a right wing. Right wing, yeah. It's always been like a 10 that just drifts out wide. And it's never, that's not him. He's had moments. He's had great goals. He's had great moments, like the goals against Man City and Tottenham and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, it's like you mentioned, it's always, it's always been like a few games or you think it's coming and then it just doesn't. It does. Like preseason, he's amazing. He scores in the Super Cup and you're like, oh my God, he's injured. We're screwed. And then... You know, he just never gets back to that level. It takes him a long time to get back to that level. Consistent injuries, I'm sure. I think everything is just played as an effect and taken its toll. And it's probably just been like, like, like we mentioned, just like he's just had enough. Yeah. He's yeah, going back home. Yeah. And I mean, maybe Ajax come back for him in, in January and it's a, it's a move that suits everyone. And, and, or he turns it around in the next month or so. Cause I think he is in contention to, to play for Morocco. Yeah. He's um, recalled again. Yeah, so in, yeah, so back in know, squad. hopefully that fires him up a little to to maintain his position. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about Christian Pulisic, uh, uh, U.S. men's national team star, uh, moves to Chelsea, 
three years ago at this point, almost two and a half years ago. Uh, again, he's had his moments. Project Restart, that man was untouchable. Uh, of injuries have played their role, like we were talking about with Ziek. Um, and then Tuchel comes in, Tuchel knows him, Tuchel plays him, does well in that Champions League run, scores against Madrid. But over the last, let's say, six months, he seems to be in and out. He doesn't get the opportunities. He doesn't make the most of the opportunities. How do you see this going? Because all of a sudden, all of America thinks Chelsea and Tuchel <laughs> just don't like Pulisic, right? Mark Pulisic, yeah, his dad, yeah, is, making, yeah. is making comments. And and I listen to the guys over on ESPN, and and they have nothing nice to say about Tuchel, even, even when he plays him. Is this simply yeah. down to there's other players in his position that were preferred, maybe a Timo Werner, a Hudson Adoy, Mason Mount in certain cases, or is this managing his injury? I, I just don't know what it is. And I wanted want oh. him to be successful, right? I want every kid in, in, in America to be wearing a pool of sick Chelsea jersey. But he's got to step up at some point. Agreed. So it's 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 conjuncture of both things. It's not I'm not going to be one of those biased fans and say, no, Pulisic's out, get him out, he's rubbish. He's not, he's not. He's clearly talented enough. Um, it's He's got moments and he's had moments, consistent moments. Like the goal against Liverpool last year was fantastic and everyone forgets about that. He's had moments and he's a moments player. He's always, it's the consistency. It's, you know, at this level, it's it's hard to be consistent. And I understand that. But at the same time, it's also tough because it's not entirely his fault, but it's also expected when you're at this, the highest level of professional football in this league, if you come off the bench, you have to hit it running. You, you just have to. You just can't be lackadaisical and right. hope something happens. It's just, it's just the way the game is because that's you have to be an impact player. It just is. And it seems that Many things are against him in the sense that positionally, let's just be honest, Tuchel never really played him in his consistent spot of his preferred spot. And even to a point, I was just like, okay, this is clearly not working. Why aren't you giving him a chance? Um, I never really said that on Twitter because I love getting (laughs) the the hate from US best national team. But I can admit it right now. I was always like, why isn't it's clearly not working, you know? Kai Havertz isn't doing anything. Mount's not doing anything. Timo's obviously not doing anything. No one was doing anything. So why just give him a run out for a few games? Let right. him start. Um, so that was confusing, but we don't know what goes on but in training. Yeah. And that's why I was going. Maybe he doesn't apply himself correctly or the right way or show the right attitude. Who knows? Um, the stuff his dad says doesn't help the situation. Because if I'm too calm, just me like, no, <laughs> sorry, like you can't, I don't need that noise. Yeah. As selfish as that sound, as arrogant as Tuchel has every right to just be like, no. Yeah. Um, so who knows? I do I do think he needs to play in his position. But in a 3-5-2, there really isn't a spot for, for him. him. Yeah. So he has to adjust now. Like Thierry Henry said on CBS, it's like don't free politic, free yourself. Like do, yeah, do something. Do something, yeah. Do something to prove that you're able to fit in and not just be this left winger. It's prove to the manager that you can be a left winger, that you can be a 10, that you can do something else, yeah. that you can be versatile and apply yourself that way. Because he has everything it takes in terms of physical attributes, I think, hopefully anyway, because he's proved it 
for that yeah. short period he did under Lampard, where he was just probably easily probably the best player in the league for the last few months of the season. So he's, he has it, but competition's tough. Trust is, is tough for another, because you know what Mason Mount, Mason Mount may not score every game, but you know what he's giving you. He's giving you pressing. He's giving you tackles. He's giving yeah. you the intangibles. Kai Havertz also does too. Let's be real. Like the game against Tottenham, yeah. he was fantastic. And stuff. Like he does that too. He's very good at pressing. And at this level, you have to be, you have to offer something more than just goals and assists. And I know the fans want to see stats, but at the same time, you need to show that and yeah. apply himself a bit more. So maybe he gets this new lease of life under under Potter, but it seems Potter likes the system too. So he's gonna have to. He's gonna struggle, but. And I'm sure the U.S. men's national team fan base are going to implode when he doesn't play. <laughs> Fair enough. I get it, though. He's their guy. You know, they're more politic U.S. men's, U.S. men, yeah. U.S.M.T. fans as opposed to Chelsea fans. And I get that. But this is football at the highest level, man. You got, yeah. you got to step up. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. He's got to step up. He's got to be given the chances to step up. Uh, and like you said, when you get those chances, you got to hit it because... Uh, you won't get too many. But the flip side of that is we know he has an injury record. So the mm. less he's involved, and I'm not saying like you just keep him out of the squad because he should be fit for the U.S. team, but the less he's involved and the less he plays and the mess, less minutes he has going into Qatar under his belt, he's going to be very ready and raring to go in Qatar when he's starting every game for the U.S. team. Uh, and hopefully that helps him in that tournament. Of course, not against England, because I know that's <laughs> where that's where you're you're going to be, but um, that's, that's kind of the flip side of it. But again, we have a full month of, of club football to go and uh, hopefully Pulisic gets the opportunities because it'll be great to see him, uh, you know, touching the, the heights of Project Restart that he was just, like you yeah. said, the best player in the league. And there's a lot um, of games, so I'm sure he's going to get right. an opportunity. Not, there's, we play in every competition, so until we're knocked out of those, there's potentially 60, 70 games that yeah. we play if we go to the finals of all of these. So, there's a lot of competition, so he's just got to take his chances. Yep, I agree with you. Um, we, I mean, we kind of steered away from the game, but it ends 1-1. Um, puts us in last spot in our group. Mm, but, uh, you know, we still have AC Milan to play twice, and then we've got to play Salzburg and Zagreb. So we still have four games. We could qualify still for the round of 16 as the second best team in this group, which is not a bad thing uh, as long as we make it. Do you think we make it? It's, it's tough. I, I think overall, yes. I do think we just scrape it. I don't think we get back-to-back wins against Milan. I think we win one and draw one, and that's which fine. is enough. Yeah, Exactly, that's enough. But we have to beat Zagreb at home. It's just an absolute must. That is the key game for me. Like we, That's a must win. Like We can't, we can't lose again. And, and Salzburg away are not going to be easy. Um, so a draw there, and it might be enough. Because obviously all these teams have to play each other too. Right. But I do think we ju- I do think we finished second. Um, but it is it is looking a bit a bit tasty at the moment, especially because I I know Fikaya Tomori and Giroud. Giroud's on fire at his age. He is so good for them still. I wish we never let it's him just, go. Exactly, <laughs> and it's just like you know he's going to score against us, and you know Tomori's going to have a masterclass stopping everything. So I, that scares me. Um, and Liao as well, the guy that we want. Yep. They're a good side, so they, they they worry me a bit. And Chelsea, historically, in Italy, are not good. Yeah, um, They're just not. So at home, I think we'll get the win. The away is going to be scary, but 
hopefully we can we can grind our result. Yeah, I, I do think overall we we're just about to be fit. Yeah, and the next game is at home against Milan, and then we go twice exactly. away against Milan and Salzburg, which is where I think uh, we'll have tough. to get something uh, and at least one win from those two games because, um, like you said, we're sitting like I said, we're sitting at the bottom. We're two points off of Zagreb, who will be a final home game and final game of this of the group stage. So we want to stay alive and be in contention to qualify it by that point because otherwise it's just. Europa League again, and and maybe like, no, we're unbeaten. <laughs> so we go three, and we go we go three, we win it, we win it for uh, the third time. And, and I know we you don't lose that competition. We're joking on Twitter about how we give um, managers their first trophy in the Europa League. So yeah, maybe, I mean, why not? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe Potter can can get his hands on that trophy. But jokes aside, let's let's stay positive. I mean, two points isn't a lot to make up from second spot, and. You never know what happens when when we come back from the international break. Uh, Kamal, I have one more question for you before we kind of uh, touch on just a couple of Bully's comments about all-star games and everything. In your opinion, between Reese James and Mason Mount, who do you think oh. is the better academy product at this point? Easy question I've had to answer. That's Reese James. I've never seen a more... Reese James is complete in the sense that you can put him in any position, in my opinion, and it'll be successful. You know, he's a striker of the ball. He scores goals, like, in right. terms of his striking ability. You could play him on the wing. <laughs> Excuse me. Playing DM, centre-back. He's he's complete. Mason Mount, you can't do that. Um, Mason Mount, I do think his ceiling is a very, very good player. But I don't think he's got what it takes to be world-class. Just, just so far from what I've seen. I don't think, you know, he's not going to be that Lampard region. He's not going to yeah. score 20 goals a season. It's just not in his nature. I mean, he wants to, but I don't think he's going to reach those heights. I think he'll be like a very, very solid, consistent player for yeah. club and country. But in terms of comparing to Reese James, future captain, give him the keys to the club. You know, that's, I think there was a, I think that Bowley sees it as well. That's why his contract got done first. Yeah. You know, six years and a year. And, and, and I think it was five and one or six and one. I forget. But five, I think it was five way. and one. Yeah. Either way, Reese James is. And I think the whole of Europe sees it too. Like they all, you know, on Twitter you'll see, oh, Reese James is the one guy that everyone wants. Yeah. Like Mason Mount is kind of that polarizing figure. Like some people hate him, some people like him, but but Reese is he's so good. <laughs> he's just he's ridiculous. Yeah, and and, and the the point of the question wasn't to say one or the other, but between the two at this point, I have to agree with you. I think Reese James is the is a little more advanced in terms of. Uh, you know, his development and what he brings to the squad. Mason Mount is a great, great player, adds a lot to the squad like you were touching on uh, and definitely has his moments, contributes in the big games with Champions League assist. Uh, but Reese James is just just a little bit above. And and I think you're right. Give him, give him the, that armband, give him the keys uh, and, and let him do his thing. Um, I think it's debatable. Sorry to interject. I think it's debatable. He's probably the best academy product we've produced full stop. Like JT, okay, I understand Captain Lee, the legend, but yeah. he was probably one of the best centre backs of all time. But it, you couldn't put him anywhere else. But Reese James, you can literally plug and play anywhere, and he yeah. is complete in every position. And down to his down to his father, because his father's like an amazing coach. Yeah. So, but yeah, great interview. No, great shout out there to JT and to uh, Reese James' uh, dad, Nigel. But um, Kamal, let's talk about Todd Bowley uh, for a few minutes here, and then we'll wrap up with the World Cup. Talks about an all-star game. You and I live here in the U.S. Uh, we've seen all-star games in, in all sports, pretty much. And 
always, I think, maybe not you, but I've always wondered what the all-star teams would look like in, in the Premier League or even across leagues in, in, in Europe. Uh, but no one really listens to to me when I when I say it because my name's not Todd Bowley and I didn't spend billions on, on buying a club. <laughs> but Todd Bowley comes out and says, you know, to help the pyramid in English football, an all-star game is an option. And, and he references the 200 million that, you know, the Dodgers generated between two days. Uh, I think that was forgotten and it was all focused about Todd Bowley wants to Americanize the sport, the premier league. Um, yeah. Do you, are you in favor of this all-star game? Do you think? No. No, no, by all means, I didn't mean to just block you off, but to be blunt, just no, purely because I'm, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to being born and raised in England and seeing the structure of how football works and you know, there was rumblings, not rumblings, people of me, I'll just cancel the community shield. Like, yeah. okay, the community shield, no one really cares about, but it's still historic. It's still yeah. the kickoff to the season. It's been around for like a hundred years. You don't, you don't just break tradition. I'm not saying, I'm not a dinosaur in the sense that I don't want to see change. I just physically don't see it happening ever, purely for the reason of schematics. Like logistically, ha- telling players, you've got still one more game at the end of the season. And it's meaningless. And they've already got a short preseason. Let's not forget yeah. that. The preseason, like the offseason is short as hell. They have preseason tours where these guys fly across the planet. There's a World Cup every other year. There's a, a Euros every other year. Well, I know it's just one extra game and it sounds like nothing, but the players are just going to be like, what? Yeah. And I do follow American sports and I do like the NBA All-Star game. I genuinely enjoy it. But like the Pro Bowl for the NFL is... It's probably the worst. <laughs> it's the worst all-star experience yeah. ever. And I I don't watch it because I know the players just don't care. And you see it. I'm not sure you follow the NFL, you see it. Like yeah. no one really sacks the quarterback. There's no real pressure. There's no there's no nothing. It's just yeah, there's no competition. Yeah, it's silly. And I I feel the same would happen in in football terms. Like someone gets pressed off the ball, no one's gonna really chase back. <laughs> there's gonna be no like slide tackles. There's gonna be like and and I'm sure people may want to see an exhibition game. I don't think it'll be pe- people in Britain. It's just being honest. I don't think the British fan wants that. But I can see the international fan wanting it. So if it's played in like Malaysia, Japan, the US, yeah, it will sell out. Because of course it will. Why wouldn't it sell out? Yeah. Even if Chelsea were playing Aston Villa, it will still sell out. So from a financial standpoint, I get it. Like it. I fully understand where it's coming from because it's obviously going to generate money. Why wouldn't it generate? You sell it off to broadcasters, you sell it off to ESPN, Sky Sports, yeah, being all those channels. They're gonna they're gonna want to see want it. To want to show it. Yeah, and you'll sell the tickets out like that. But from from an integrity standpoint, it's a terrible idea. But financially, I completely get it. Um, to go into your point about the grassroots thing. People don't really get or understand that the money that goes into grassroots football is already there. It doesn't really need a boost. The amount of money that goes into grassroots is is insane. Like the the money that the Premier League gives and like trickles down, it's it's insane because the broadcasting rights alone right. from the Premier League are like outrageous. So the money is there. It doesn't really need more, but of course more revenue is is fun, but from I just don't see it happening ever because I'm sure there'll be some backlash to it from players as well as managers even. Managers, They're probably yeah. going to be like, I don't want my guys playing more games. 
yeah. even though it's not getting like one game, but it would have to change the whole, it would have to kind of revolutionize the way football is because it'd have to come into like contracts because you follow American sports. It's like, yeah. okay, you make the, the all-star game, you get like a little bonus. Yeah. Yeah. And this kind of stuff. Like how does it work? Who gets voted in? Is it a fan vote? Is it coach vote? Yeah. North v. South. I mean, it's a funny to think about. It's fun to think about. Like, yeah. The North was absolutely destroyed. South, <laughs> like it, we would get, it was just because it'd be just London. Like, yeah. Cause there's no one else but London, like Brighton, who's going to get me, who's going to make it Southampton, who's going to make it. It's just going to be <laughs> London versus Manchester and Liverpool. Yeah. But it's fun to think about. It'd be fun to think about if it was Premier League versus La Liga or something like that. Yeah. That makes it interesting. But again, logistically, financially, how it would work would be, and it's, I don't want to be involved in that, in those talks <laughs> of how it would work. But yeah, yeah I, I, to answer your question long-windedly, do I want it? No, I don't. No, and, that, and that's fair. I mean, we live, we're, we're international fans, right? Like, because we, sure. we live abroad, but it's fair to have that, that perspective and that, that opinion. Um, and I'm kind of on the fence about it because, like you said, if it was here in New York, yeah, I, I would go. I'd be there to watch well, that sorta. game. Um, but if the if the local people in the Premier League uh, fans that watch these games week in, week out aren't in favor of it, there has to be a different way of generating the money that they want to generate and, and fund throughout the pyramid. Like you were, like you said, that it already exists. So maybe it's just about distributing it and, and implementing it better. Um, but it, it's the one fun thing idea. that Bowley's, the one thing that Bowley said that could work more is the relegation playoff. Yeah, because that was a thing. People always forget that that was a thing in British football. Chelsea actually got relegated from the Premier League or well, the first division in the eighties via playoff. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know friends who like are older and just like, it was devastating, but at the same time, the excitement was still there because it's like, oh, um, and it still exists in Bundesliga today. Yeah. So it's, it's a concept that isn't too far-fetched and you know, the money would be there. It would just be like relegation playoff. Everyone's going to tune in. It'll yeah. be exciting as hell. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be wild. So the most expensive game is coming up from the championship. Coming up, yeah. <laughs> and you could be like the worst thing possible is like, yeah. The loser loses a lot of money. So yeah. everyone so would tune into it. The loser is the biggest loser. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, you could definitely yeah. definitely make it more enticing. Yeah. I mean, um, and even just relegation games in general towards the end of the season, everyone tunes in because you just want, want exactly. the drama and you want to watch it. Um, so yeah, I think that would be that would be a good idea. Um, the other thing he said more related to our club is about the feeders and, and having clubs across mm-hmm. Europe, uh, which good. which I mean we've done in a sense with our loan army for for a number of years now where we send players out on loan and um, of course we don't control the development but I'm I'm interested by that idea because I think Man City have done it and they've done it well of course maybe not as competitive as maybe the Red Bull teams that he mentioned with Leipzig and Salzburg Uh, but it would be great you send a a Hudson Adoy or even someone maybe like a Broya out to Portugal they play in the first division they play maybe Europe and all this time, Chelsea is controlling their development, their minutes, and all yep. of that stuff. And the data that's coming back is coming directly to Chelsea. I'd be open to it, and I think uh, okay. not just in Europe, even across the world, I think it would be it would be beneficial for the Chelsea agreed. group. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Because the last kind of thing we had similar to that was Vitesse. Yeah, and it worked. It worked with you know Mason Mount, for example. Right. He went there, developed, and became a better player. And we had coaches go there. We had like, if I'm not mistaken, we had Adi Viviash go there. And he, yeah, yeah. he developed as a coach and so on and so forth. So it's the same concept, but just on a better level. 
with Portugal. Portugal makes so much sense because they, they develop amazing young talent. Um, I think Belgium was another shout and they had their golden generation just now. So yeah, the City group makes sense because they're just plucking players from all across the planet and putting them into one of those teams. And when they're ready, transfer them over to Man City or whatever team it might be. Team, even yeah. yeah, NYCFC. So they're doing the same thing with yeah. the South American teams and so on and so forth. So I'm a big proponent for it. Um, just adds to you know, the catalogue of players you can get. And specifically South America, I think that's where yeah. you need. Chelsea have always been a bit of a struggle tapping into their younger talent. Um, so yeah, I would like, I'll definitely be a fan of that. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, and I mean, you can tell Boley is, is invested in making this a success on and off the pitch. And I think as Chelsea fans, yes, the Tuchel decision hurt. Yes, certain <laughs> decisions will hurt in the future. But ultimately, we know, like Roman, this is being done for the long-term future of the club to get it to a point where where it's competing at the highest level for many, many years. Uh, But Kamal, we're coming up to an hour. I do want to talk about England. So let's move on to November 25th, 2 p.m. kickoff, England versus USA. When this draw was made, you know, I was on Twitter following. and, (laughs) And I saw you. And I saw your favorite U.S. men's national team fans already starting. This was not even about Pulisic or Chelsea. This was simply about the rivalry between the two nations. Um, talk to me about your feelings about this this game and then overall England's chances in the World Cup. Okay, so I'll answer the latter question first. Overall chances in the World Cup, I think, like, I know we've reached the final of the Euros and the semifinals of the, the, the World Cup prior. World Cup, yeah. But I don't... England just have caused me so much pain, so I'm never <laughs> optimistic. I'm never optimistic when it comes to the major tournaments. So even in the Euros, in the finals, like we're going to find a way to lose this. Like We're at home, there's penalties, yeah. there's just, we're going to find a way to lose, and we did. Um, so I don't see us going further than like a quarterfinal, maybe semifinals perhaps. I think we're, <laughs> we're probably not being too egotistical. I do think we're the best team in the group. Um and I, I mean, I think that's that's a fair comment, you know. Right. England historically, with the players, you can't look around and be like, actually, no, they're not the better team. Exactly. Some people might just because of of nationality and and you know preferences, but as a fan of both nations, I would agree with you. I think England have to be the favorites in the group. Sure. And you know, I don't. I, I just feel like we're England are constantly missing something. It's whether it's a creative player, we rely too much. On Sterling, Sterling for England is fantastic. Kane goes missing sometimes. You know, Grealish for England is great, but doesn't really start. Yeah. And then, you know, Southgate is just, I understand he's our most recent successful coach, but he makes some insane decisions at times. (laughs) And it's the same with you guys and Greg. Although he's actually won trophies, like the US, you know, the Gold Cup and the Nations League, League. everyone still doesn't really like Greg. Like, they're still that like skepticism about like, why do you do this? Why do you do that? We want him out, even though <laughs> he's achieved things that US other coaches haven't done. Um, so there's still that with Southgate. It's always a question. No fan really truly believes in him. Yeah. He's done great in the sense of bringing the country together, et cetera, et cetera. But we need a better coach to kind of get you Take it wins. to the next, next level, yeah. Exactly. To answer your question about the game, uh, it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so much fun. Um, you know, I'm in group chats with split 50-50 of American <laughs> fans and US and English fans, so it's going to be 
carnage on the timeline. It's going to be so much fun. Um, I do think we're going to win. I, I do genuinely think that. Um, I think it's not going to be as close as people think it's going to be in the sense that I think one team is going to dominate, but it might not be like a, a 4 nil, if that makes sense. It's going to be like one of those Chelsea wins where it's like 80% possession and it's like a 1-0 or 2-1 win and then that's it. Um, so it's not it's not going to be too 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 much of a heavy scoreline, but I do think it's going to be tasty to watch. Um, I don't think Pulisic is going to do anything like everyone's <laughs> saying, like, oh, he's going to score and go past Reese James and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just not going to happen. Um, it's going to be fun to watch no matter what. If we lose that game, I'm going to have serious issues <laughs> mentally because <laughs> I'm just not going to be able to handle it. You've seen the interactions I have. Yeah. It's just going to be, it's going to be bad. It's going to be so bad. <laughs> I've already got a bet on with someone else that if I lose, if England lose, I have to get a US men's national political on the back. So that's already a bet. I'm like, <laughs> it's, so it could happen, but you know, in the past, in the past, you know, everyone brings up the one one and the, yeah. the the goal with Rob Green and so on yeah. and so forth. But it's like, come on, there's like flukes. It's gonna be your biggest game in like of all time. So, but it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch, man. It's gonna be so much fun. Yeah, I mean, the World Cup in general is fun, but uh, you, as luck would have it, these two ends up, end up together and. It's the, I believe it's the second game of the group stage, so um, pressure will be on on either team, and and it's it's definitely going to be fun, like you said. And I'm, I'm I'll be watching your timeline and your Twitter closely, and and we'll we'll, we'll definitely be in touch by then, anyway. Uh, uh-huh. But Kamal, I I've had a great time chatting with you. An hour has yeah, gone by. Uh, I know it's a little bit later here on the East Coast, so I appreciate you jumping oh, on okay. and. and no um, I hope you enjoyed your debut here on the Premier Chelsea and, and would love to have you back on. Um, you stay in touch. And um, guys, that wraps it up. Thank you very much for listening. Please uh, continue to subscribe and like us. It's at the Premier Chelsea on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and on YouTube and on Instagram. Uh, it's also at the Premier Chelsea. And on Twitter, it's at Premier Chelsea. Uh, and also follow Kamal. It's Lumps of CFC. Uh, you'll see his beautiful face on his his. Um, the Pakistani um, fan, uh, and honestly, jokes aside, it's it's good banter, it's fun banter, but also logical uh, tweets and and things that you know fans can relate to. So I, I appreciate yeah, you, Kamal, sure and um, we will be back with a new episode. There's no Chelsea game this weekend, but there are uh, Premier League games that we'll be watching, and and then there's an international break. Uh, but stay safe, guys, and up the Chelsea. Hey guys, the Premier Chelsea is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.